Unit four, chapter two of Nutrition 101 by Deborah Rayburn. This is an awesome book discussion. The book is a fabulous homeschool textbook. You can get it, work your way through it. There's tons of recipes. There's appendices. There's lists of food. There's facts. There's pictures. There's cutaways. There's diagrams. It's such an awesome book. Great resource for the family to have for the kids forever. So Joints and the muscular system is the topic today. So joints are where your bones meet. Mm -hmm. You came to this video to learn that. <laughs> Some joints move, Mommy, others do not. Book. I see your shadows on it. So others do not. Your skull is actually made up of joints. These are called sutures. I think we talked about them last week in the, um, or a week before, <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast. In the musculoskeletal chapter, we talked about that. So they're flexible at birth, but then they fuse together and they no longer move. So then along the side of your skull, you also have the parietal temporal joint. And this also does not move. You, you don't want those to move. <laughs> Vertebrae of your spine. These are individual joints and they allow us to move, bend and twist. It's so fascinating to see those pictures of people's spines and all the different curves and things like that. And then you have hinge joints in your fingers and hands. So um, th then you have ball and socket joints in your shoulders. You've all seen that when you've um, had a ham, <laughs> you get to see at least one half of the ball and socket joint when you cut your ham. Uh, then you have a patella, which is triangular shaped bone on your kneecap. And then your joints are cushioned with synovial fluid. So if you've ever, uh, like you kneel down on the floor and you hear your knees go, you know, popping that synovial fluid being released, that's a good thing. And a diet rich in omega-3 oils is one way to ensure that fluid stays plentiful. You definitely want it to stay plentiful. So there's lots of joint health issues. If you're looking in the book, there's a very painful picture of someone's hands with the joint health issue. A lot of the diseases that occur in our skeletal system do involve our joints. Osteoarthritis is a disease that causes bones to become brittle and prone to fracture. But most arthritic conditions involve the joints inability to move. There is a saying that osteoarthritis is a pediatric disease with geriatric consequences. So it's actually the way you are eating and moving in your young years that's going to determine your joints health and your bone health in your later years. So that again, puts the importance on, and, and the very things we give kids to eat nowadays are literally devoid of nutrition. You know, you're thinking like white breads and pastas, not even real cheese sauces and uh, skimmed milk, <laughs> if they get milk at all, or soy milk, God forbid. And then when we're grown up, maybe we think, oh, I should eat bone broth now or eat something healthy now. But you know, when you're like, they're just a kid, because we tend to think in America, we tend to think, we don't think about any aspect of health 
accept, you know, oh, I'm only going to think about like my weight. And we're like, somehow that's the only thing we think of as like, no, that is not even necessarily an indicator of health. And so we say, well, these kids can eat like candy and junk food. No, they can't. Like, it's just so stupid the way we think about it now. I know there's my kids asking for candy. So we tend to say like, well, if they can eat the junk food and not gain a pound, then it's fine. Like, no, sorry, that is not healthy. Um, that, that no, what we need to understand is how do our bones look? How do our connective tissues look? How does our skin look? How does our hair look like this? These are the indicators of our health. So, and, and the kids will maybe survive eating that, (laughs) you know, but that doesn't mean they're going to have good latter years. Yes. I know you do. So rheumatoid arthritis, this is a disease of our joints. It's an autoimmune condition. Our body is attacking itself. Um, We've long suspected infectious agents such as viruses, bacteria, and fungi, but none of them are proven as the cause of RA. It's uh, chronic inflammation of the joints. It is quite painful to see. You can support your body with omega-3 fatty acids. This is important for joint health and it's considered a natural approach to managing RA. And then there's uh, turmeric, probiotics, topical application of oils for pain and inflammation relief. And then of course, Young Living has um, at least one product that the FDA recognizes an OTC for arthritis, which would be the Coolzool pain cream. So psoriatic arthritis, this is tied to the condition psoriasis. So many people with inflammatory arthritis and psoriasis are diagnosed as having psoriatic arthritis. What? And then bursitis. This is when fluid sacs called bursa located within joints, muscles, tendons, and bones become inflamed. This is often called frozen shoulder. It can occur in many women just after menopause. Um, when it occurs in the shoulder, it's called frozen shoulder. It can occur in the feet. Um, if it occurs in the, uh, it can be called a bunion. It can be caused by ill-fitting shoes or the frequent wearing of high-heeled shoes. Injuries, calcium, deposit. just another excuse for me not to wear high heels right there. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to protect the health of my feet. High heels are, I think, pretty bad for your feet, aren't they? Um, yeah. Well, it's a good thing that I pretty much break my ankle every time I wear one. (laughs) All right. Uh, Injury, calcium deposits, infections, diseases. uh, These can contribute to bursitis. So there's free radical slash inflammatory producing food. Oh, she recommends stretching exercises and topical use of therapeutic grade essential oils to hasten recovery and healing. Uh, Just in general, uh, any therapist is going to give you stretching exercises. I think for pretty much anything because we don't get enough range of movement, um, which actually she mentioned, uh, it's mentioned in the exercise chapter, but I'll throw it out here as we'll get it twice. But she says the average Amish man takes 18,245 steps a day. The average Amish woman takes 14,196 steps. Average American, by contrast, takes about 5,000. Like a quarter of, hold on just a second. (laughs) All right. So uh, the uh, nutrition um, free, oh, so I was saying about the steps that, thank you, Sabrina. I'm so relieved too. 
the, I told Gary this morning, Sabrina sympathizes with you. <laughs> so the uh, Amish thing blew my mind because on average we take a third of the steps that an Amish woman does and like a quarter of the steps that an Amish man does practically. And that's, that's just kind of mind blowing, you know, because their lifestyle is just lending themselves to needing to, now they don't eat. I would not say they particularly healthy, but uh, their lifestyle is lending them to more physical activity. And we're just so dependent on our cars. So nutrition does affect our joints. The free radical and inflammatory producing foods, uh, beef. Uh, okay. So these are foods that, this is not your good list. This is your bad list. They're foods that produce free radicals and inflammation. Um, beef that has been antibiotic and corn fed, dairy products, fried foods, hydrogenated fats, processed sugars, soft drinks, trans fats, the same bad list that has been in every other chapter. I, you could just copy and paste it all the way across. So nutrition that affects our joints, glucosamine. And remember, I just keep this in your mind. When I went to the dentist one time and they said, they were talking about kids, kids' teeth. And I said, so I just wanted to see where the dentist was on this. And I, I said, so, you know, they can eat things that support their, you know, health, dental health, right. You know, bone broth. And he goes, no, 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 no that's not really, that's not really going to do anything. And I was like, okay. And he said, food doesn't really affect your teeth. Then in the next sentence, he said, now the number one thing I see cross cavities in kids is yogurt. And I wanted to say, I thought food didn't play a role here or does it? So there's foods that can tear our bodies down and there's foods that can build our bodies up. And please don't let anyone ever tell you that what you eat isn't going to affect your teeth. You know that the sugary sodas do affect your teeth negatively. And you know that drinking bone broth is going to affect your teeth positively. Let's just face the facts. So sugary yogurts are going to be harmful for your teeth. Hello. Yeah. And he's saying, he's like, yeah, those are bad for you. Of course they are. So then why would you tell me that what I'm eating isn't going to affect the health of my teeth? Because it's obviously not true. You just told me it's not true. You just don't realize that it can positively affect your teeth because the program is only the toothpaste that you're paid to promote is, and the procedures you're paid to, to perform are going to do anything for your teeth. That's just not the way it works as we know by all the Weston A. Price Foundation's work where they've gone around the world and he was a dentist and that's where this whole ancestral model came from was just looking at how people eat and how healthy their teeth was. That was what triggered the awareness in him. Sorry. <laughs> Ironically telling me to brush the kids' teeth and <laughs> give them their probiotics so they can go to bed. All right, glucosamine found naturally in the body it's made from glucose and amino acid glutamine. It is needed to produce glucosaminoglycan. Not sure if I said that right, but it was fun while I was there, which is a molecule used in the formation and repair of cartilage and other body tissues. Uh, and the production of glucosamine slows with age. And remember that would also be connected to our, you know, beautiful, healthy skin. Um, you can get it as a nutritional supplement. Uh, 
you can, um, it may be labeled as glucosamine sulfate, glucosamine hydrochloride, and acetyl glucosamine or chitosamine. Bad foods for your joints. <clears throat> Steal yourself for this list. <laughs> Alcohol, sugar, red meat, wheat for some, milk for some, both wheat and milk contain proteins that are difficult for some people to digest, which is why you should ferment all grains and milk should be raw because otherwise it's coming into you without the enzymes that your body uses to digest them. Enzymes that don't enzymes that don't occur endogenously in our body. Chondro chondroitin sounds like the Lord of some planet, Lord chondroitin, also known as his majesty chondroitin sulfate. This is a naturally occurring vital compound in connective tissue. So it does help to support the, and build the basic substance of cartilage. There are no conclusive studies among people who take chondroitin to relieve osteoarthritis in their knees and hips. Some report the pain is abated, says Deborah, and they are able to move about more freely after using it. Your body can absorb as much as 15% when it is taken as a dietary supplement. Antioxidants always playing a starring role in anything that our body needs to live longer or survive or do better. Antioxidants help fight against free radicals. These may be damaging to our joints. Vitamins A, C, E, and the mineral selenium are known as the antioxidant vitamin and mineral powerhouses. So the highest known antioxidant substance, which we know, is a spice and that is anybody on here know which one it is if you've been to many of my um older oil classes i used to mention this all the time um it is clove so on the orac scale which is oxygen exchange clove well clove uh, we'll talk about two three different ones clove and uh wolfberries the Ningxia wolfberries, and we'll talk about blueberries. You always hear blueberries in the news as being such a great source of antioxidants. They are a great food source of antioxidants. I think they can score as high as, oh, I'm thinking two numbers in my head. I can't remember which one it is. It's in the infused Oilers Ningxia class, um, but uh, it, it's either 800 or 2000, but it's pretty high. Blueberries can rate pretty high on the ORAC scale. Uh, clove on the ORAC scale measures, it comes in at 1,078,000. Far and away, nowhere in the same universe as blueberries. So of course, clove oil you find in lots of blends. Yes, Elaine? Blueberries is 2,400. 2400. I, I kept seeing that number, but I couldn't remember which, which thing from the class it applied to. So, so, blueberries. so blue, okay. yeah, blueberries are pretty high. Um, but you know, I always say, if you take your ninja, you're getting more bang for your buck than if you were trying to get all your antioxidants in through blueberries and you might say, Oh no, I, I don't know if it's expensive or not, but compare how many blueberries you would need to eat to get your, um, to get your antioxidants in versus the same amount of ninja wolfberry. So your uh, clove coming in pretty high. 
over a million, 78,000. And then blueberries decently high as well, coming in at 2,400. And remember that's blueberries that have been grown well, not in a factory. I don't know if Costco blueberries apply to this. And then you've got the Ninja Wolfberry, which comes in at 33,000. Gotta get some sumac too. It says here, sumac is a spice found in Middle Eastern cuisine and has um, 312,400 per 100 grams. Yes, I think you can get that as like a tea, can you not? Yeah, it says the it has over three times the antioxidant or, content. Or a bark. Isn't it a bark, like a cinnamon kind of? It's not cinnamon-like, but I mean, isn't it peel? Maybe I'm wrong. I think sumac is a tree. I don't know. It's just, it's, I think it's, it's a spice. Yeah. But I don't know how yeah. it's, I could be totally wrong. I, I thought it was a tree for some reason. So yeah, grab your packet of Ninja Wolfberry um, juice or, uh, you know, whatever source of antioxidants you can get a hold of aim for a diet high in antioxidant rich nutrients. So carrots, apricots, cantaloupe, peaches, dark leafy greens, and then for extra vitamin A eat grapefruit, oranges, papayas, mangoes, raspberries, pineapples, asparagus, red peppers, and broccoli. Foods rich in vitamin C include avocados, whole grain breads, and cereals. I suggest fermented and or sprouted. Sunflower seeds and nut butters. Vitamin it E. Carrots are vegetables, carrots are better. Ah. Vitamin E is abundant in whole grains. Selenium rich foods include Brazil nuts, oatmeal, and brown rice. And manganese is good for your bones. It's good for your joints also. Um, she did give us a list back in chapter one of foods high in manganese. And of course you can always just Google foods high in manganese. And remember, they're going to show you a list of foods high in manganese. And they're going to show you a list of foods high in vitamin C and things like that. This doesn't apply all the time to factory grown food that came out of fake soil. Okay. This applies to your best case scenario foods grown under the sun and broccoli as an example, when the, on day three, broccoli is lost. I want to say over 90 over 90% of the nutrients that it started out with. So it is almost impossible to find food that is apples in the grocery store are on average, what, 13 months old or something like that. You know, food in the grocery store is not picked yesterday. So it, <laughs> I love going out to the farms in the summertime and picking like mad and then freezing or canning, um, canning. Of course you do initially have a drop in nutrition, but actually there's a slower drop in nutrition over the longer span of time than you have even over freezing. So freezing, um, dehydrating, you lose quite a lot of nutrients, but then, um, freezing, you know, there's initially no drop in nutrition, but then it begins to drop off pretty quickly after about six months. So if you're canning for a year round eating, um, don't, don't sweat it that you're losing all your nutrients, but then I know I'm getting it. This, like what, the day was picked or I picked it myself, you know, it's fresh. And then I know I'm getting all those nutrients. I always drives me crazy when somebody says, you know, eat carrots to get all these nutrients. And I'm like, yes, but your carrots were grown in sand and watered with chemicals. They're not the same thing as a carrot that grew in black soil surrounded by worms and, and beneficial bacteria and sunshine and rainwater coming down over the surface of the earth and bringing in more nutrients and minerals. It's not the same. So just go for what you can on, you know, ingredients wise, obviously we can't always do everything perfectly, but we have to keep reminding ourselves to do what we can. Omega-3 fatty acids. These are the lubricant between the joints. 
All right. Borage oil is a good source of omega-6 fatty acids. And then we had a whole chapter on omega-3 and omega-6 rich foods in um, unit one. So go back and listen to unit one. If you have the book, check out appendix J. There's a little bit more in there. Smiling uses 17 muscles. Frowning uses 42. Um, My face hurts so bad at my wedding from smiling for hours. I couldn't like it hurt, but I couldn't stop. I'd try to stop smiling and it would come back and it was like physical pain. And so Gary's mom got the funniest picture of me going like this. I was just trying to like stretch out my muscles, like, oh, my face hurts. So we're like on stage, kind of like posed and I'm like, <laughs> this is a good time. So our human body has between six and 800 muscles. Um, there is a variation because there's different ways of counting your muscles depend- and, and different medical terminology. Um, muscles are a special tissue called contractile tissue. And this allows your muscle to expand and contract. So that's how we can do things with our arms and legs. There's skeletal muscles, which joint bones together. And you mostly think about them. So here I am reaching out to touch my computer. That's conscious thought. I'm using my brain to do this. Uh, those muscles, the skeletal muscles combined with your bones are what we call the musculoskeletal system. And there's smooth muscles inside our internal organs in the walls of veins and arteries. These are controlled by involuntary process. We don't think about them. You're digesting right now. I'm presuming everybody's eaten within the last 48 hours. Like your body is working. You're not doing it. You're like, Oh, hold on. Gotta get the sandwich to go through the duodenum. Now I got to think about this for a minute. Like gotta flex my stomach now. Like we don't, we don't have to think about it. It just happens. Thank goodness. Cardiac muscles. That's just in your heart. Obviously uh, we'll cover heart in unit five, the next unit. So our muscles work in groups. Have you ever seen a baby try to reach something and they're just like flinging their arm around because they don't have that, you know, what we call fine motor control. So instead of moving their fingertip, their entire arm just flails. You say, you're whacking yourself, baby. And they're like, I'm trying, okay? I've been here for two weeks. Give me a break. So it is fun if you ever get a raindrop and you can learn about the muscles. Uh, That's always fun to do. So what do our muscles do? Well, they're always working. Our heart, our eyes, and our mouth are the busiest, some more than others. (laughs) Just getting quiet for a second here. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) we got a lot to talk about, okay? Our eyes blink all the time. Our heart is beating hopefully all the time. Our lungs are expanding, they're contracting, we're chewing, we're swallowing, we're gabbing. But our our muscles also help us to maintain uh, body temperature. And about a quarter of the energy generated by our muscles, only about a quarter of the energy generated by muscles is actually used for movement. The rest is rated as heat. Have you ever shivered? (laughs) It's your body warming you up (laughs) with your muscles. (laughs) Um, Tendons connect our muscles to bones. They do not stretch. So have you ever heard someone say they tore a tendon? That's what happens when you try to stretch a tendon. You could stretch a tendon by, you know, inadvertently 
<laughs> stretching your tendon, you know, a fall or something like that, a gymnastic accident. Uh, successful bodybuilders have shorter tendons. Successful track athletes have longer tendons, specifically their Achilles tendon. Which if you don't know why it's called an Achilles tendon, go look up. It's a fascinating story in mythology. Mom read it to me. I have no idea how old we were, but all those mythology stories, mom read, I remembered. Ligaments are stretchy, elastic collagen. They connect two bones at the joint. So when you're under tension, your ligaments stretch. If you ever take a yin yoga class, that would be like a stretching therapy class, a lot like what a uh, physical therapist would have you do. So you're going to get into a position, maybe um, arm is here, your leg is there, and then you're going to hold it for five, no more than 20 minutes. And what you're doing is you're working a So first it takes about two minutes for your muscles to begin to relax and stop gripping and try to pull you back. And then I'm going to sneeze. Um, then your more plastic tissues like ligaments and your fascia have to take a lot longer to slowly stretch. So if you can get into a position and that's really great for therapy, treating wounds, it's really great for uh, preventing injuries. So when your muscles are too tight, maybe you work out all the time, but you never actually do the stretching classes, then you're more prone to injury. So your back will get thrown out. You'll hurt a leg, a shoulder or something like that will happen because the tendons, um, uh, may be shorter. The ligaments are not as, um, stretched. And so anything happens to extend your body just a little bit beyond what it should. And now you're injured and you're out and you can't move for a couple of days. So there's muscular system health injuries, um, or issues, <laughs> fibromyalgia, tendonitis, muscle cramps, and muscular dystrophies. Um, and, and how does nutrition affect our muscular system? Well, does anybody think we can affect our muscular system with nutrition? Yes, yes, we can. Selenium, of course, the coenzyme Q. So it, it, it is required to produce coenzyme Q, which is beneficial for, of course, anti-aging nutrient and heart health. So some great sources of selenium. Oh, happy day. Brazil nuts, cremini mushrooms, cod, salmon, tuna, Turkey. <laughs> Sorry. I'm obsessed with turkeys, sunflower seeds, brown rice, and whole grains, and then magnesium, which is a macro mineral. That means you need a lot of it daily. Uh, magnesium of course is a muscle relaxer. That's why we can take it at nighttime, you know, that calm blend. Um, and then the, uh, <laughs> it's like the little powder. Is that what it's called? Calm? I can't remember. Um, so that one's nice. We just mix it in a cup of water at night. Um, somebody mentioned the other day that her daughter didn't like it. And I said, well, I, I said, I, I like it. So I don't, I haven't tried it any other way other than just in a cup of water. But I said, Gary Young's always says, put orange in it for kids. If kid, you know, for flavors for kids, like he wanted it in our vitamins and it's in like the kid oils and stuff like that. So she put orange in it and her daughter loves it now. So if you don't like the flavor of it, it's watermelon flavor or something like that. So you don't like the flavor, put a drop of orange in it. Vitality. Sorry. <laughs> proper magnesium levels may re prevent or reduce muscle spasms, muscle tremors, and muscle weakness. Um, best food sources are almonds, bananas, dark green vegetables, dried fruit, legumes, potatoes, 
I didn't know that. And whole grains. Low levels of calcium, which is our next uh, nutrient, can cause tetany, which is excessive nerve activity, including spasms, muscle pain, tingling, numbness in the feet and hands. Did you guys see Mega Cal just went through reformulation to be more, even more absorbable? Is that a word? <laughs> even more easily absorbed by the body and the new Mega Cal's are shipping immediately. So if you order Mega Cal now, you're getting a new one. So I'm super stoked about that. I know we talked about Mega Cal in the musculoskeletal class, but Mega Cal is for sure an important supplement, especially, well, it's hard to say what it's more especially for, you know, when we're young and we're building that bone mass or when we're grown and we don't want to lose that bone mass. I don't know which is more critical, both are important. So that's a great one. Uh, Mega Cal comes as a powder. Amanda, what's up? I well, I know for me, talking to my dentist, because I'm going through something very similar to Gary, so is sorry. That if I continued to, or if I was able to take something like MegaCal while I was nursing, nursing my babies, I wouldn't have any of these dental issues. Oh, yeah. Nursing your babies yep. takes all those things out of your, specifically out of your teeth. Yes. You know what? I'm glad that you said that because we did talk about that in the musc musculoskeletal day, we talked about bones and teeth and we talked about how pregnancy and I did, I should have said breastfeeding too. I didn't think to mention that, but the pregnancy and breastfeeding can negatively affect your bones. If you're not getting the right nutrients, which how were any of us without the knowledge? We didn't know we weren't getting the right nutrients. And yes, your body will cannibalize itself for the baby, which will leave you full of holes, <laughs> but your baby will be fine, which is what we want. Right. <laughs> okay. So, so good to know, Amanda, taking that during pregnancy and breastfeeding, very, very important. Um, I am glad that I, cause I wasn't taking a calcium supplement, but, um, I was eating a varied diet when I was pregnant with Jacob, fortunately lots and lots of greens. Cause I was getting huge baskets from the, um, CSA tons of pastured eggs, uh, lots only pastured meat and tons of raw milk and cream. So I'm fortunate that, um, that was probably very helpful for me. Okay. So proteins, what is protein? It's made up of amino acids and they're the building blocks for muscles. So we all know the stereotypical bodybuilder who just wants to drink like 30 scoops of protein, which is not good for you. Don't do that. Uh, but you know, that's kind of that stereotype image, right? So they're essential to life. <laughs> Proteins are essential to life. Uh, they're part of every single process inside of your cells. There's nothing that protein doesn't have a hand in. So um, when your carbohydrates and your fats are not available for energy, the body will use protein as an energy source. Is that the logic behind some of these? Like, I don't know. I don't want to get into weird, crazy diets because I hate them all. But uh, is that the logic behind some of these like weird keto or whatever? Wait, keto has lots of fat in it though, doesn't it? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Okay. A lot of the fad diets, yeah. things like keto or Atkins and that, the whole theory behind it was originally that you were trying to get your body away from burning carbohydrates and into burning fat. And protein oh, was kind of one of gotcha. those byproducts of 
maintaining your health without adding extra carbs. Uh, okay. You know, I definitely think why on whole 30 and also when I started gaps at about the same time, um, I just got exhausted. I remember reading that they said it's because of your body's re kind of reorganizing where it's burning energy from. And that's actually a process that it has a changeover. So yeah, I guess I can see that, but you know, I got, you gotta be careful. And it's a big deal. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, enzymes It's like taking your car and converting it to diesel versus gas. Like it's a big thing. Wow. Yeah. It is definitely exhausting, um, initially. And then I guess you hit what they call the tiger blood on whole 30. Um, so American diet typically has plenty of protein more than we need for the most part. Um, fat cells store fat muscles and our liver stores glucose, but there's no place in the body to store protein. Excess protein is eliminated in urine and feces. Ew. Um, so you, you, anybody who is pregnant, you know, you go for your, like, if you go to checkups or whatever at the midwife, I suppose they probably do this everywhere. You have to like get the little like protein strip or whatever to test your proteins. Um, okay. How much protein do we need? Uh, average adult needs about 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight per day. So about 60 grams and for children about 0.5 grams per kilogram of body weight or about 35 grams. Uh, average American diet provides one to two times as of what we need. This may lead you to think, says Deborah Rayburn, I'm reading right from her book, that a protein deficiency is unlikely in the US. However, the RDA for protein has been derived from research studies performed on healthy individuals. Um, and protein requirements are generally higher for growing children, pregnant, lactating women, elderly, anyone undergoing severe stress, individuals with disease, disability, recovering from an injury. Um, yes. So pregnant and lactating, just please do remember we need, when you, when you are nursing a baby, I remember telling Gary, I was like, is this how guys feel all the time? Cause I'm starving. <laughs> like ravenous all the time. <clears throat> okay. Where do we get our protein? <laughs> this isn't, this is like the quintessential vegetarian question. Where do you get your protein? <laughs> beans, beans. <laughs> yes, you can get protein. Probably what most people think of is like a slab of chicken, chicken. <laughs> as protein. Right, right. Yeah. Um, animal, plant, vegetable foods, um, animal protein foods. It can be your meat, poultry, wild game, fish, dairy eggs. products, eggs. Yeah. Eggs. Um, and these contain all nine of the essential amino acids. Remember in the amino acids chapter, we talked about this from these animal products. You can get all nine of the essential amino acids, meaning they're necessary to live, but your body does not produce them. So all nine can come from that. Um, plant sources, they are good for certain essential oils. They do essential oils, essential amino acids. They do not um, offer all nine and the ones that um, convert do not give you enough or what you need. Um, 
Legumes lack methionine, grains lack lysine. It's often necessary to get two or more plant protein sources to form a complete protein. Um, she does not say that you have to, she's not going to tell you, like if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, she's not going to tell you that you have no choice but to eat animal products. She suggests uh, eating a variety of plant foods to make sure you get your adequate protein. Just going to have to be more watchful. All right. Protein quantity and protein quality, just as important. I feel like I harp on this all the time. Animals raised in their as as close just to the ground as they can be. And by ground, I mean, you know, there's grass, there's dirt, there's sky, there's sun, there's wind, there's rain, there's bugs, there's weeds, there's herbs, you know, where they can forage. This is the better. Uh, I don't even think there's a question about it realistically, although there's always going to be, I suppose, somebody who will argue about it. But um, then as compared to an animal or a plant raised, uh, surrounded by artificial, synthetic, fluorescent, chemical, everything. I mean, one of those sentences makes you feel pretty good about your life and the other one makes you feel like you just walked into like an Orwell novel, you know? It's two different things. And, and we know what's, what's natural and good and how your animal is butchered matters too. Is the, you know, is the animal afraid? Is the animal standing there watching all the others be butchered, you know? Or is the animal just grazing, eating its grass, having a good old time and then it's um, out? and no, no consciousness, no fear, nothing, no awareness of anything happening, just the end of the road right there. <clears throat> um, meat and the grocery store. I don't know if you guys know that when they, um, cows go through these factories and they're like, they're walking in so much just cow poo that it's all over them. So then when they get yanked up and hung up and cut open, of course it gets into the meat. So the meat, um, goes through washing machines with um, ammonia that washes the meat that is then ground and um, put into packages. And any one package can have meat from like a gazillion different cows because it all went into the washing machine, you know? And so if one cow was sick, it could be a bajillion different packages. It's kind of scary to think about. Whereas if you are getting your beef from a friend, you know, he walked out into the field where his cow, where he's gone out and seen his cow every morning. And, um, you know, the cow just drops down, never knowing what hit him. And he's the, the, the butchering process at home is so nice. And Amanda, I don't know if Canada um, has legalized yet mobile abattoirs. As far as I know, I, I don't know if it's only in some of the provinces that it's not legal, um, but mobile abattoirs are very, very common here in the US and they are absolutely the most ethical way. If you don't wanna do the killing, um, and the butchering yourself, a mobile abattoir comes out and they can, that when they did that pig, they, they, um, killed and gutted and skinned, um, and halved, uh, four pigs in under 30 minutes. <laughs> it was insane. I mean, under 30 minutes, it was so fast, lightning quick. And the pigs never knew yeah. what hit them. <laughs> Yeah, we have a few here. Well, specifically here on Vancouver Island, I know there's at least four of them. And they do. They do a fantastic job. Okay. Uh, we normally hire them out to do the cows. 
maybe it's just south that it's not legal yet um because i know it's not up a, like up a north of new york and whatnot i know it's not legal up there yet but i know there's people out there really pushing for it i honestly don't know why and anybody would say that this is absolutely stupid to say somebody can't do that um okay uh, quality plant protein sources is the same you guys plants <laughs> plants also should be grown with love and kindness it does make a difference believe me or not <laughs> a local harvest.org and pick your own.org are two websites i have used for the longest time pick your own.org all the way back when it was the most hideous well, I don't even know how it looks now I've been on it in a while but the most hideous like html with it was just a list you know in the beginning and then it's gotten you know it's html pages and it's gotten more complicated but they're much they're very professional now I'm sure but um localharvest.org and pickyourown.org have been around for a while those are amazing websites for finding farms that's how every time we moved we got plugged in and then once you're plugged into a few farmers you almost don't have to keep looking because you start getting networked worked in and then people tell you and word of mouth and oh if you like this farmer that farmer over here and stuff like that so after if you can just get connected to a few farms in your area okay um also rice milk wheat germ nuts seeds brewers yeast and grains are other good plant sources and that's everything that we have in this chapter uh and the muscular system power recipe she has is garbanzo beans so hummus dip with basil i love making hummus if you guys go to the um cookie and kate i believe it is look up cookie and kate best hummus recipe ever i'm not kidding you guys it's the same ingredients you will see on every hum hummus recipe excuse me it is the process that matters and um every single time I have made that hummus for a big event, every single person has either asked for the recipe or they say like, oh, I'm coming back because you have the best hummus ever. Or, oh, good. You made that delicious hummus again. It's just so stinking good. And honestly, I've been making hummus for a long time. And the only thing that I changed was the process. So if you want to read the best hummus recipe in the world, that would be the cookie and Kate um, recipe. And you can just modify it to fit your screen. <laughs> but here she makes, um, she makes uh, the same hummus as you would recognize, but she adds in basil, minced basil. I've never thought about doing that, but it sounds wonderful. There's lots of fun things you can do with hummus. And uh, some activities besides making the, um, uh, besides making it, she suggests take, so take a canning jar and screw on the lid really tight and then keep your hand completely stiff and try to take the lid off. And so what she wants you to see in this illustration is like, when you can't mold your hand and shape your hand around, you, you can't, you, you can't take the jar lid off. Um, and then she also suggests name three professions that must know the names of all the muscles in the body. Can you guys think of three? I know. Chiropractor. That's one. I can think of some. What, what else? What's another one? Chiropractor for sure. Yeah. Massage therapist. Mm -hmm. Yep. Nurses. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I had to know them for recreation therapy. Oh, yeah. Physical therapy. Yeah. Uh, they're really helpful to know if you're teaching yoga. I don't know all of them, but I know a lot. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah our, our personal trainer, I would imagine you'd want to know, right? True. True. Yeah. Yeah. Personal trainer. No, that's a good one. Um, yeah. Important stuff. Okay. Well, there we go. That's the end of that chapter. Thank you everyone for <laughs> doing this with us. And if you listened to this on the recording, I hope it was helpful and enjoyable and that you were able to follow along in your own copy.